0: On today's episode of the Rami LaVie podcast, we recap the Jets' disappointing loss to the Baltimore Ravens in week one. What went wrong for this team? I explained. Tom Brady is back and as good as ever as he dominates the Cowboys on Sunday night football. We had some crazy endings with some wild kickers in the NFL this week. Rodgers was awful. Mahomes was awesome. So many more storylines, so much more going on as our first full week of the NFL season is here and it is over. I take you through the entire Sunday slate of the NFL, all that and more coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experience experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R Help, H-E-L-P.com slash Rami for 10% off your first month. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast. We made it through a football Sunday, a full football Sunday, and my voice might not be all there. I'm exhausted after today. We'll get to all that a little bit later, but at least I sound better than Chris Collinsworth. So there's that. Um, I worked all day in the studio, worked Ravens pregame and postgame, but I'm not going to start with me. We'll get into all that in a minute. I'm currently watching as the Bucks blow out the Cowboys. And so for me, not a great week for my gambling picks as I guess after tonight, I'm seven and eight on week one, which is not great. Not great at all. Um, I did think the Cowboys would cover this game uh i didn't know if they would win or not but i thought they'd cover keep it close and they have not barring a miracle it will not be a close game now ultimately tom brady well he's looked like himself and it's as you'd expect for tom brady because this is what he does every single time he just goes out there and he looks like himself and no matter how old he is no matter what is going on in his life him retiring him leaving the game for a while he goes out there and he proves why he's the greatest of all time And that video at the beginning, the intro video that MJ made for Tom Brady, it was just the perfect video for Tom Brady. It's the two greatest athletes of a generation, or I guess Jordan is obviously the generation before, but maybe the two greatest living athletes. Um, Although Derek Jeter had some great moments over the weekend. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later, despite it being a uh, football Sunday podcast. Uh, We'll try and get to Jeter a little bit later on, but just those two guys, Brady and Michael Jordan, Jordan doing the intro video. If you missed it, I, I couldn't find it online, but I'm going to try and find it. Maybe I'll retweet it. Um, it was just like, I stepped away for two years. Brady couldn't even stay away for two months. He's back. It means he's proven a point. But guess what? You know how we, I know he's back? Because you're still here watching and you're still tuning in and blah, blah, blah. And it's so true. I mean, we eat it up. Brady's that good. There's nothing we could do about it. And we're watching more of it and he keeps winning. It doesn't matter. It's Sunday Night Football. Al Michaels is not there. Chris Collinsworth doesn't sound the same. None of that matters. You have freaking Jason Garrett is on the TV booth now. He, he's awful at that, too. Shocking. But uh, the one thing that that's constant and remains the same, maybe not with the Patriots anymore, and that's you know taken some getting used to at the beginning, but now you're kind of used to it. It's Brady and the Bucs, and he's there, uh, and he's as good as ever, and he's finding Mike Evans for touchdowns. And when they were settling for field goals early on, it was only because Micah Parsons is literally trying to win this game alone Uh, for the Cowboys the Cowboys have looked absolutely awful in this game this game should be a blowout if it's not for uh, a couple of field goals and missed opportunities down in the red zone and Micah Parsons so if not for that guy uh, this game would totally be a blowout it seems like Dak Prescott's uh, I guess his game plan was just to throw it into triple coverage over and over again that can't be working out too good for him so uh, I don't think it is But overall, like I said, football, I could say it again. I'll probably say it again tomorrow night after I hear Joe Buck for the first time this NFL season. Football is actually back. Tomorrow night we'll have Buck and Aikman. Then it'll really be back. If only ESPN got good matchups. That's a shame for Buck. But uh, we'll talk about tomorrow night's matchup a little bit later. I feel like I'm moving the microphone around a lot. And I apologize if I am. But uh, I'm holding it because I'm still sitting on my couch watching football. try and find a position where I could just position it and uh, just go with that. Um, But I want to talk about my Jets because before I get to anything else uh, from this weekend, from this Sunday, before I talk about what I was doing today, which was fun and I'll get to that in a minute, I want to talk about the Jets because ultimately I'm a Jet fan and that was the game I was most keyed in on and focused on today, not only because generally week one is when you could still focus on the Jets and they're not out of it yet, um, but this week was special also because of my job and what I was doing and I'll explain all that in a little bit. So you'll understand why I was so focused on the Jets because they were playing the Ravens. The first takeaway, and this was takeaway from the beginning of the game was the Jets offense was sloppy, no matter whether it was the offensive line. And I know they had some shuffling of the offensive line right before the game, George Fant, who was trying to learn how to play the right side again, after being really successful last year at the left side, gets moved back to the right side because of the injury. They have a kid starting on the right side, at right tackle who's never started. They just drafted him in the draft this year, uh, rookie. And so that's tough. I get that. Um, Joe Flacco, everyone talks about how he was the starting quarterback. He was the guy who, you know, his ball was a veteran ball. He was able to handle the pressure. Blah, 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 blah. Flacco was awful. Like, anyone who sees it otherwise, I I don't think you could look at it any other way. Flacco was just really not good, and The Ravens fans is funny because I was with Ravens fans today. I'm like, guys, can you finally admit that Joe Flacco was never elite? Like, this guy stinks. And I know it was fun. It was a fun storyline. We thought, you know, he could come out and have a revenge game. And I thought Joe Flacco could have won this game. It wasn't like Joe Flacco couldn't have won this game. But you weren't going to get Joe Flacco winning you the game. You needed help. You needed other people to step up. You needed other people to do their jobs. And whether that's the running backs not fumbling, the receivers not dropping passes, the offensive line not taking dumb penalties at dumb times. And unfortunately, all those things were happening. They were constantly in bad third down situations. They had drops. They had penalties. They had miscues. They had fumbles. They had missed assignments all over the place. And the offense just overall was just sloppy. You look top to bottom, the kicking game was sloppy, right? They, Braden Mann, Shanked a punt. He was awful. Like this is a guy who they took in the draft what a couple of years ago and was supposed to be really good. They took him in the draft as a punter. uh The kicker who they chose, Greg the Leg Zerline, who they chose over. Um, they drove drove chose over Eddie Piniero. They he won the the kicking battle. Like he was one of the few guys who actually was in a kicking battle uh, during training camp during this preseason, and he won it. And they choose him, and he misses a field goal and misses an extra point. When all that adds up and you're constantly being in a p- bad position and you keep giving the Ravens the ball in good field position, doesn't matter how good your defense is playing. doesn't matter how good they are. Eventually, you're going to give up points. Eventually, it's too much. Eventually, they're on the field for too long. And that's how you lose football games. And it was just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Whether it was the play calling, whether it was the offensive line play, whether it was the penalties, the drops, everyone start to finish. And like I said, I don't think... That Flacco could go out there and win you games. You can't rely on him to win you games. I mean, the first time that they converted a third down was with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were constantly in bad fourth down, in bad third down situations. The two of the first downs that they got early in the game were on illegal touches. Those were two of the first downs they gained. So they were never getting first downs. They were constantly in bad situations. And when they finally did something positive, it was either called back for a penalty or Or somebody would fumble. And that was the situation. Flacco threw a bad pick. Obviously, the guy slipped. But it was a bad pick. Classic Flacco. And like I said, he's a fine quarterback if you're letting him manage the game. But once you're relying on him too much to do too much, to overcome that much, Flacco was never going to be that guy who can overcome all that. And so, like, you have a kicker out there who's supposed to be this great Greg the leg, Greg freaking the egg kicker. Kansas City safety who came in for their injured kicker, had a better field goal percentage today and was better on extra points and also better on kickoffs, I might add, than Greg Zerline was. So this guy who won you the kicking competition, it's it's ridiculous. And I did mention this. I talked about this, was how this game was going to be played up the middle. Um, I said before the game that the Jets needed to... Give Joe Flacco time up the middle. He's not a mobile quarterback. He's not Zach Wilson. So they needed to protect him up the middle with the offensive line. Make sure the middle of the pocket was clean. They did not do that. And I said the Jets on the defensive side needed to take care of the middle of the field. Not let the Ravens run up the middle. Not let Lamar run up the middle. Not let him throw down the middle to the two tight ends. And the Jets actually did that. They did a good job of that. And so you want want to look at some positives. They put Sauce Gardner on Andrews. He was awesome. Goes to tell you what the Jets think of the Ravens wide receivers. Not very highly, apparently. Um, Quan Alexander was impactful early in the game. The defense was really solid, DJ. Reed had an interception late. He was very solid. Um, there were a bunch of solid players on defense. Obviously, the one guy on defense that should have never been out there was Bryce Hall. He had the touchdown thrown on him, and I think Connor uh, Hughes tweeted that the second Lamar Jackson saw him on the field, he picked him off one-on-one and decided, all right, that's the guy I'm going after. And he did. Micah Parsons just almost made another great play. Micah Parsons has been all over the field. He's awesome. As I watched the waning minutes, there's nine minutes left. Tampa up 19-3 to in this game. But back to the Jets, like the Ravens running game was completely shut down. I don't know if that was something because of Greg Roman. He's not a great play caller. Was it because the Jets defense and their defensive front was really good, but I'd like to give credit to the Jets defensive front. John Franklin Myers was good, even though he got hurt. Carl Lawson and his brother uh, were both really good in this game. And Lamar seemed hesitant to run like it looked like he wasn't going to run as much and we know with the contract negotiations and what came out this morning that he was offered x amount of dollars for six years it wasn't all guaranteed and i think it would have been the highest aav of any contract but it wasn't all guaranteed it was a lot less guaranteed money and it was longer and lamar jackson didn't want a longer contract for obviously obvious reasons he wants to hit free agency again so he didn't want a six-year deal he wanted a four-year deal But I don't know who's airing that out. Like, If you ask me, like, are the Ravens airing that out to make Lamar look bad? That doesn't really help them either. It's a weird situation. It's not very similar to Aaron Judge and the Yankees in that sense, where the Yankees obviously aired that out to be like, look, Aaron Judge turned down all this money. I think Lamar Jackson, I think people agree with him that he has a right to want more guaranteed money. And then Lamar, yeah, he ran a few times, but he wasn't doing the Lamar thing where he was running all over the place. He looked like he was definitely trying to pass first. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's trying to protect himself. Maybe he's a little bit hesitant and he's like, hey, I kind of want my, want this contract. I have zero guaranteed dollars beyond this year right now. Um, but at the same time for the Ravens, this is kind of a preseason game. They didn't play any of their starters in preseason. And they come into this game and they're like, well, we could just mess around, do whatever we want, and just see how this goes. Like Lamar, the first few drives didn't really work out. They couldn't really get the run going. And he's like, I'm just going to pass it. it. Seemed like they were forcing something. It seemed like there was more open to the Ravens' offense than what they did. And if you listen to the post game show after the game that I produced on 1057, the fan here in Baltimore, you would think that the Ravens lost this game from the callers, from the hosts, the way they were talking about the Ravens. And how poorly they played and how bad the scheme was and how bad the game plan was. And at the end of the day, they're like, well, thank God it was the Jets because the Jets are so bad that we beat them even with this terrible game plan. But I think the bottom line is that the Ravens kind of treated this. This is the first time all their starters played. They didn't play in the preseason. They kind of treated this like the preseason. They went out there. They worked some stuff out. They figured it out on the run. They figured it out as they were going. And at the end of the day, they're like, all right, we figured some stuff out. Towards the end of the game, they started to really figure out. They made some nice catches, some nice adjustments. And that was it. And they'll go into next week like it's week one. I mean, that's really what it felt like for the Ravens in this game. And it felt like at no point was there any real resistance The Jets defense held up. And I, I think there are a lot of positives. I think Sauce Gardner is a huge positive. I think Michael Carter, the running back, who's like, hey, you guys drafted a running back in the first or the second round look, I'm still here, I'm still really good, and he played better than Brees Hall. Um, I thought Garrett Wilson should have gotten way more snaps. He played really well. What he was able to do, turning nothing into something on one pass and ran some crisp routes, clearly fast, and his awareness impressed me as a rookie. He he recovered a fumble. The Jets fumbled the ball, and he ran back and recovered it, so he's aware on the field. He knows where he is. He knows what he's doing. Uh, I mean, that that that's impressive, but if you look at the stats from this game, the stats pretty much lined up between the Jets and The the Ravens. They had the same number of uh, of running plays. They had the same number of time of possession. They had pretty much the same number of yards. Although I know Joe Flacco got a lot of those yards against a soft zone coverage at the end of the game, and that was kind of hilarious. Where someone said to me, like everyone's like, "Oh my God, look, you guys don't know all these Baltimore people. Like Flacco, he's really good. They should have been doing this all game long. They should have been just letting him zip it around the field." I'm like, you should have been letting Flacco zip it around the field. I mean he's able to move down the field against a soft defense, a soft zone at the end of the game when the Ravens were just trying to get out of there. Like, yeah, of course he was able to do it at that point. Um, he was under pressure all day. I get that the offensive line wasn't great. Again, I can't really blame the offensive line. Um, Zach Wilson. Can you say that he would have been under less pressure because he could have moved around and he's more mobile? I, I don't know. I, it just, it was same old jets. It was classic. It was typical. It was just what you'd expect. And, Unfortunately, what we've come to expect from this Jets team and yet every year it continues to be upsetting. And what was more upsetting this year is that the stats were similar. They just couldn't convert. It felt like the Jets had as many skilled guys on the field at certain points as the Ravens. Then more skilled guys on offense for sure with Garrett Wilson, with Elijah Moore. Braxton Berrios made some nice plays. Michael Carter looked good. They had a lot of skilled guys on that side. They had some skilled guys on defense, like I mentioned, Sauce Gardner, Quan Alexander, all these guys, there were a lot of skilled guys on the field for the Jets. And it felt like they couldn't convert because of dumb mental errors and coaching mistakes. And that stuff, at the end of the day, it all comes down to one person, and that's the head coach. If the GM, Joe Douglas, is able to put together a team that has all these players that clearly have talent and have shown at least signs of some sort of talent and signs that they can get it done and the team still can't get it together the team is still making mental mistakes and making mistakes that turnovers and stuff like that penalties that are costing them then what does that tell you and I told you Salah's on the hot seat I told you to me Salah's on the hot seat but he keeps coming out there and he's like you know, I think we played pretty well. I don't want to make any excuses. There's no more moral victories, but we played really well. We really hung with them, blah, blah, blah. How can you come and say there's no moral victories? And then at the same time, you're saying that, yeah, but I think we played really well. I'm really proud of the team that, that we hung with the, this Ravens team. It's one way or the other. That sounds like Aaron Boone, something Aaron Boone would say. And at some point, it becomes the coaching's fault. And I told you that this year because of how he's handled the injuries and because of how he's handled the media and he's looked dumb and that he's made himself look dumb, this year is going to ultimately be on Salah and people are going to look at him and say, "Uh uh-oh, is this the wrong guy? And where I thought this was make it or break it for Douglas, I think it's more make it or break it for Salah now because Salah needs to save himself. Salah's looked really bad. And one of the Ravens offensive players, I don't remember if it was Lamar Jackson or if it was uh, DuVernay, the, the wide receiver, said, Everything we saw from the Jets defense today, it was nothing new. It wasn't anything we hadn't seen on tape. That's crazy to me that you are a Jets, you are a defensive guy. You were brought in to be a defensive guru and you had such a terrible defense last year. This year, you obviously have better pieces with Quan Alexander coming in, with Carl Lawson coming back, with Sauce Gardner coming in. You have better defensive pieces now you're capable of doing more and yet the wide receiver on the other team is saying yeah it's nothing you guys haven't put on film we've seen all this from you already like that's clearly on coaching and to me that doesn't make sense and like I said same old Jets you want to hear how much it's same old Jets and how used to this we are the Jets don't win in September at all and this stat is astonishing and just how bad it is is crazy but the Jets never ever win in September. This is their 13th consecutive September loss. So you're going back now. What is that? Three and a half, four years since the last time they won a game in September. And in that time, over the course of those 13 games, the Jets have been outscored 329 to 140. So it's not like they're just losing these games. They're getting absolutely murdered. They're getting blown out in these September games. So if every year it's taking you the first month of the season just to get into the game, just to even be competitive in a game, That's how bad it's been for this Jets team. Four years where they haven't been competitive in the first month of the season. And this year, the excuse is going to be, oh, well, Zach Wilson was out. Once he comes back, we could really see what we have. Enough excuses. Enough is enough. And you talk about no moral victories anymore. Well, Robert Sala, stop making the moral victories. Stop making excuses. I mentioned Aaron Boone, so I want to mention this real quick. Aaron Boone had a comment the other day about Giancarlo Stanton saying how He's like, he had a really good at-bat. He, it was in the game that they lost to Minnesota the last game. He's like, well, he had a really good at-bat when he struck out with two runners on, I think, in the eighth inning. And it's like, he had a really good at-bat. Like, that's the moral victory. And you don't hold guys accountable. Do you really feel better about the Yankees? Like, I'm happy they took two or three from Tampa. They extend the lead a little bit in the East. That's good. I think they're up, what, four games now in the loss column. That's good. I'm not upset. I can't complain about that. But at the same time, like... Am I really sitting here and I'm going to convince myself that because they had two seven-run innings in back-to-back days or whatever it was, a six-run inning and a seven-run inning on back-to-back days, all of a sudden all their offensive problems are solved? What happened in the 18 innings that weren't those two innings or the 16 innings that weren't those two innings? The offense completely looked helpless as usual. So the fact that they exploded for a couple innings, I, I can't take that away from them. But are we going to expect that to happen in the playoffs? I'm glad they did it in games that they needed to win, that more must win. Do I have more confidence today in this team that I did yesterday? Yeah, I do because they beat Tampa, something that I didn't think they could do. I thought they'd lose two or three. And after they lost the first game of the series, I thought they'd get swept. But that doesn't give me any more confidence. Oh, my God. So Dak Prescott got hurt. Shaq Barrett just ran really absolutely untouched to the quarterback, not even a finger on him it looks like none of the offensive linemen or any of the blockers even saw him so that's great uh back to the yankees and the jets again it's similar with these two guys who are all of a sudden it's all about moral victories and it's, we're talking about um you know and now Dak's leaving the game so that's probably the last we'll see of Dak with under five minutes to go he's off under the tunnel um he went back to the locker room so hope Dak is okay and it's not another injury for him but it's just an awful day just got worse for the dallas cowboys um yeah, I, I, again, I think Robert Sala is on the hot seat more than people think, and who knows what the deal is with Aaron Boone. Speaking of the Yankees, I just wanted to talk about this because I mentioned uh, the Yankees earlier. Derek Jeter was at Yankee Stadium, and he was just classic Derek Jeter. He always knows how to get the place riled up. He seemingly doesn't have a great relationship with Brian Cashman according to the documentary that came out Um, and he knew that he could take an easy shot at Brian Cashman by thanking Brian Cashman because if he thinks Brian Cashman and pauses for a crowd applause he knew that they would boo the whole crowd of course does boo Brian Cashman he goes I want to thank Brian Cashman the whole crowd boos and Jeter smirks and goes looks like you guys are ready for the playoff run and the place went nuts Derek Jeter is awesome I, I wish so we talked about brady we talked about jordan he's one of those legends i think those three guys are actually pretty good buddies but um that's awesome stuff and that was uh that that was super cool from friday night jeter's speech that he gave uh at yankee stadium so this game is wrapping up like i said the jets not great from them but why was i so keyed in on the jets today uh and what happened to the rest of my football sunday well i was in the studio today from 10 a.m Until 7.30 p.m. producing, that's nine and a half hours for those counting at home, producing pregame. During the game, I was cutting up highlights, live cutting up highlights from the Ravens game to have them ready for after the game. And then I was uh, producing the postgame, which included cutting up the live highlights. Uh, from the post game press conference and recording it live um and sending it in in real time to the show so that the second john harbaugh said something the second lamar jackson said something uh, it would go out on the air so that was a really fun cool experience i'm sure it'll get easier as it goes on but i'm not complaining but it was really hard to keep track of all the games when your main focus is one game which happened to be this week was the jets game because they were playing the ravens and i work we work for the raven station obviously down here in maryland um and then afterwards, when I was done with that, I had to board up a two-hour show and produce that show straight uh, from the, after the post. It was technically the extended part of the post game till 7:30, uh, but it was a long day on my feet, running back and forth uh, between a bunch of studios, making sure everyone had what they needed and sounded as good as they could sound. Making sure all the hosts sound really smart. They have all the stats. They have all the audio. Um, it was fun. It was definitely fun to be working. It was fast-paced. It was you know live production. Um, during an NFL Sunday and uh, you know mainly during the Ravens game and the Ravens coverage that was really cool to be a part of and it was cool that it was the Jets it was cool that I got to do it Um, but definitely a fun experience that I'm going to be doing uh, it looks like almost every Sunday this uh, football season so I can't wait and um, so that said I did uh, I was basically during the Ravens press conference there were a few games I don't know if you heard there were a few games that went to overtime in the NFL this Sunday today. And so during the Ravens press conference is when I was kind of um, watching those games at the same time, but I was had to be quick. I think I maybe cut up like 40 different cuts from the Ravens press conference in a span of 15 minutes, which is if, if you know uh, about this, it's pretty impressive. I was, I was mo- moving quickly. So that was uh, pretty fun, uh, but I also was trying to keep track of what was going on in the rest of of the NFL but I think the top story if you have to run through the top stories in the league I think the number one story without a doubt in my mind was Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes and I kind of want to say I told you so but he's mad he doesn't like that people think that he can't do it anymore he doesn't like that people think he needs Tyreek he threw five touchdowns he could have thrown more if the game wasn't out of hand he probably would have he throws for what was it like nearly 400 yards he made it look easy and he's here to show you that, yeah, everyone's talking about the Bills. Everyone's talking about all these teams. I'm still here, and I'm going to be as good or better than ever. Everyone's talking about the other teams in my division, the three other teams in my division. Denver, you're talking about the Chargers. You're talking about, like I said, the Bills in the, in the AFC. You're talking about Miami. You're talking about maybe even the Indianapolis Colts. I don't care who you're talking about. You guys should still be talking about me. Everyone's talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe you're talking about the Ravens coming back healthy. He's like, I'm still as good as I ever was. I'm still better than I ever was. I can spread the ball around. He leaned heavily on Kelsey. He had a nice passing game with Juju Smith Schuster, who looked good at times. He was spreading the ball around. He had a nice passing game also with Clyde Edward helaire which worked out for me and my fantasy. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to work out because I don't think CEH is going to get two touchdowns every week and he didn't get a ton of yards outside of the two touchdowns. So uh, we'll see how that works out for him, obviously, but no one cares about my fantasy team. But I really think that Patrick Mahomes is taking this personally and with great football teams. And Ryan Russell did a fun exercise where he looked at all the teams that were great or, either made it or won the Super Bowl specifically you take the example of the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl last year right And you look at Cincinnati who was awful at one point during the season right just really bad they had a really bad stretch they lost to the Jets and Mike White right you look at uh, LA the Rams who had a stretch where they weren't we weren't even sure if they were going to make the playoffs towards the end of the year that's how bad they were and then they got hot just in time for the Super Bowl so there are going to be stretches where obviously both the Bills and The Chiefs don't look this good. But right now, if this is what their peak is, I think the Chiefs and Chargers, or the Chiefs and Bills, I should say, like I said before the season, are headed right for another rematch. And maybe in the AFC Championship game this time, it's going to be awesome. It should be as amazing as it was last time. Patrick Mahomes looks inspired. He looks angry. He looks like he's trying to prove a point. And I think that Patrick Mahomes playing with his head on fire, we know how good he is. We know how capable he is. I think that's going to be a really fun storyline to watch all year. And I think that is the number one storyline of the day that this team could genuinely go 13-4 and four, make it look pretty easy along the way and win this division by a mile. And Mahomes could definitely be uh, an MVP candidate when all is said and done at the end of this season. As they wrap up the Sunday night game, I just I thought of something interesting earlier and I tweeted it. So I wrote in my notes to mention it at this point in the podcast. So here it is. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know exactly what point um, they'd be in the game when I got to this point of the podcast. But it's three minutes left. The Bucks are up 19 to three. And I thought this was a funny call. I thought that the Bucks are basically what LeBron James thinks the Lakers are. LeBron James thinks the Lakers are this team with a lot of veterans who are smart and savvy, and maybe they're not in their prime anymore, but they know how to play, and they figured it out, and they can play together, and they can win a lot of games. No, that's the Bucs. The Bucs have a guy like Mike Evans who's been there, still in his prime. He's maybe the Anthony Davis, not always healthy, but still in his prime. Chris Godwin can be the same thing, right? You have Fournette, who's a little bit past his prime, but still very smart. The chip he had on Micah Parsons was awesome, buying Brady an extra second to make a play downfield. You saw that earlier in the game. Um, Obviously, Julio Jones has looked somewhat like himself. This is a team that has enough young pieces to bring energy and then they have the old pieces and it's all centered around Tom Brady. That's basically what LeBron thinks the Lakers are, but they're not that. They're awful. They're just a bunch of old people who are over the hill and can't play anymore and LeBron is not the guy to build around anymore obviously if you're building with uh, you know old people who are over the hill. I think LeBron if you put him in a you know if you put him on the Warriors, he'd be great to build around. Uh but Tom Brady, it's incredible. Um he's been playing since he's god knows how long ago he's been playing for 25 years he's 45 years old and they just showed that his release point has actually uh gotten quicker from the time that he in 2006 to now they just showed a graphic of that it's unbelievable he's defying all logic he's defying science um and what this team has been able to do is insanely impressive um Another big talking point that you're going to hear throughout uh, if you listen to sports media tomorrow, if you listen to podcasts, if you listen today, is a lot of people didn't play in training camps. You even hear it on the broadcast tonight and Sunday Night Football. It's like, well, maybe the kickers, they usually play in, in preseason. So why are they missing so many kicks today? You know, I know no one else played in preseason. So that's going to be a big talking point. I'm not going to talk about it so much. There was a lot of sloppy play. There were a lot of wonky games talked about it before that happens in week one no matter what whether they play in preseason or not maybe i excused the ravens a little bit more because they had so many problems on the offensive line they had guys who haven't played even last year so it's not even like they haven't played in preseason they haven't played last year all year so they still had a lot to figure out um and maybe greg roman's offense just looks clunky because watching that offense in person a lot of times last year like i did maybe like eight times last year i thought that that offense didn't look very good um the other thing that happened, and this kind of has to do with all those missed kicks, is the crazy endings. We saw so many of them, I could count uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or seven or eight crazy, crazy endings around the league today and so those were the biggest storyline of the early games and even some of the later games but the biggest storyline were the crazy endings and that's what i talked about when i was cutting up the ravens press conference i was trying to keep track as i was watching the games and uh watching the press conference at the same time so i could get the highlights uh right away and you know all the comments from the press conference um to the hosts of the post game show and i'm sitting there i'm like oh my god is this really happening all these different things um and i want to start with the saints because my early thought in the game was watching Cordero Patterson. I, I thought the Saints would win this game and blow the mouse. It was one of the picks I got wrong. I think the line was Saints minus five and a half. And I took the Saints and the points. I really thought that uh, Atlanta didn't have a chance in this game. And it was so interesting because maybe because Cordero Patterson maybe this was the first real year that he put it together but he always showed flashes in the past and then last year he was really good fantasy player and then yet again this year he just totally dropped in the draft and it's like nobody respected what he did last year and sometimes you see that where guys have one big year and they drop sometimes based on one year people take guys really high so I was kind of intrigued by that that he fell so when he had a great game that was my first I was like yeah Cordero Patterson Good fantasy players. This is a guy who's. I had him on a bench, my bench in one of my leagues because I, I actually think uh, he's really talented. But then a late comeback, two touchdowns in the final ten minutes or final nine minutes or so of the game uh, to Michael Thomas, and then they they win it late uh, on a game winning field goal. So Jameis Winston to Michael Thomas. That's a fun team. I think early in the game, I don't know what happened. They were asleep. I really think they were better. And at the end of the game, they turned it on. They were able to score 17 points in the fourth quarter to come back. And ultimately they beat the Falcons. That was the first crazy game with a crazy ending, the two late touchdowns, obviously, and the game winning field goal. The next crazy game, and this was in the early games was Cincinnati. Um, If you're Cincinnati and you turned the ball over five times, specifically Joe Burrow, threw four picks and had a fumble. He turned it over five times. He was sacked, I think, seven times, which is, you know, they talked about the revamped offensive line. Well, they're going to need some time working on playing together and stuff because that's not why they revamped the offensive line just for him to get sacked seven times. Uh, And still, it took a miracle for you to lose. Like The fact that the Bengals weren't blown out in this game is almost more impressive than anything else like they should have easily gotten blown out in this game because of how bad Joe Burrow played a team that relies so much on Joe Burrow and yet they were able to hang in there and ultimately they lost only because of some missed field goals which Evan McPherson shouldn't be missing those field goals Evan McPherson usually makes those field goals and the only reason he missed those field goals is because they had a backup as their long snapper. So they miss one. They get another one blocked. And then ultimately, finally, in a game that felt like the Steelers didn't want to win either because they kept missing field goals, too. Finally, the Steelers win it with a late field goal in overtime. That was another crazy game, another crazy ending. Um, TJ Watt got hurt in this game. So I guess uh, we'll see what happens with him. But McPherson, like he's usually reliable and he's missing field goals, too. That was just a wild, wild game. Um, and like i said joe burrow he's not going to have that bad a game he's not going to throw four picks and have a, a, another fumble lost in the game he had two fumbles but one of them lost he's that's not going to happen again uh so it's as bad if you're cincinnati the silver lining as well we play this bad and we lost by three points because our our long snapper was out like that's essentially what happened so that's a good silver lining if you're pittsburgh it's like we'll take the win like, i talked about this all the time they're a team that's kind of you know, in that in-between zone where you could see them winning seven games, you could see them winning 10 games. If they get some of those 50-50 wins, it could be a lot closer to 10 than seven. And so that's one of those wins that you kind of stole a win in that game. Uh, So good job by by Pittsburgh. You can't blame them. I mean, you, you take what you get. But at the same time, the fact that they didn't blow out that game when they got the four or five turnovers from Joe Burrow is pretty crazy. Cleveland and... Carolina had another crazy ending and this was supposed to be the Baker revenge game and then Baker was getting blown out and if you're a fantasy owner this is infuriating I have Kareem Hunt on my bench I have Nick Chubb in another one of my leagues starting and it's going to be infuriating all year you don't you're not going to know who they're going to be giving the touchdown they're giving them pretty much equal touches but you don't know who's going to get the meaningful production Uh, so there's that if from a fantasy perspective from a non-fantasy perspective The Cleveland Browns showed you that, hey, first of all, Baker Mayfield's not that good. Second of all, the Carolina Panthers are not that good at all. And third of all, we can kind of hang with these teams even while Deshaun Watson is out. We have the two-headed monster at running back who are both really good, really talented. And we still have a really good defense. That defense was really good last year. They're still good this year. That hasn't changed. And so the fact that they were able to hang with... Carolina, this whole game. I'm not saying Carolina's a great team, but they were able to hang with Carolina. Um, and Baker Mayfield, you thought revenge game? Oh, this is going to be awesome. No, he was terrible. But then here he comes. He comes roaring back. The Baker Mayfield comeback. All of a sudden, that's going to be the story. Baker comes back against his former team. Eddie Pinheiro, the guy who the Jets cut, who lost the <laughs> kicking competition to the guy who ultimately, Greg leg Zerline, who missed two kicks for the Jets this week, the guy who Lost to him in the kicking competition. Eddie Pinero hits what you think is the game-winning field goal for Carolina. And then Cleveland comes right back down and wins it on a game-winning kick of their own. So Cleveland ultimately does win the game against Baker Mayfield. So no revenge for Baker Mayfield. uh, And ultimately, Cleveland is the one who gets the win. And Carolina gets stuck with a tough luck loss on a last-minute game-winning field goal. Another game that was crazy was Washington. Um, I kind of picked Jacksonville in this game to win this game, and it seemed like it was back and forth. There was a sloppy game; it wasn't a great game. And if it really, if it weren't for two touchdowns from Carson Wentz, late he throws two late touchdowns, they don't win that game. Ultimately, they do. They win it twenty eight to twenty two, uh, and they actually cover the line, um, which. again I took the points I thought it was like it was something like five points maybe or four and a half points and I thought it would be closer than that and yet they still win and cover but it took them two late touchdowns they scored two touchdowns in the last like 10 minutes also uh to win that game Carson Wentz I still don't trust him just because he made two great throws late doesn't really mean anything to me Jacksonville was awful last year I'm still more impressed with Jacksonville than I was at any point last year. Uh, it still looks like Trevor Lawrence might have a future in this career uh, in this league, but um, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. but I don't think I really changed my opinion about either one of those teams based on that game. Philadelphia looked great the whole game and then Detroit made it like respectable at the end. They scored two late touchdowns as well um, to ultimately I think they lost by three. What was it? 38 to 35, which kind of just tells you it's like, well, first of all, Amon Ra, St. Brown. Um, he got his touchdown. All the quote unquote experts. They're right about that. They feel pretty good about that because it's like hey, Philadelphia is this team that we all loved. Look how good they are. But, you know, we love the Hard Knocks team. We love uh, Detroit, who's the Hard Knocks team. Everyone's kind of America's sweetheart. They kind of became that, um, as that will put a wrap on the Sunday night game as they're uh, handshaking and high-fiving that game is over. Um, final score Tampa Bay 19 and Dallas 3. So Brady comes back, comes out of retirement, his 40-day retirement with a win. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Just enjoy what you're watching. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reported that this is Brady's last year. Um, who knows? I don't think anyone knows, even if you're Ian Rappaport, who's relatively uh, reliable. Who knows? But um, still, it's enjoy what you're watching because appreciate it. You're watching greatness. And you'll... if. This is indeed the last year. You'll never see it again. So just, just appreciate it. I talked about that all year with Aaron Judge, and I think that was part of the promo that um, Michael Jordan had for this game. Um, as far as where I was with Philly and Detroit, it's like Amon Ross St. Brown gets a touchdown. The, the Sweethearts in the NFC, which are the, the Philadelphia Eagles, get a big win, but ultimately it was respectable for the Lions. Um, so there's all that stuff. Now, also, the Colts... And by the way, I did may want to make one more point. Like, even the Jets couldn't do that. Like, they couldn't lose respect... respect, Respectfully? Respectably? Res- I don't remember the word that I'm trying to say. Basically, Detroit made it respectable at the end. The Jets couldn't even do that. They drive down the field. They drop a pass that would have been a touchdown on an earlier drive with six minutes left in the game. And then when they do get the touchdown finally with, like, a minute or two left in the game, they miss the extra point. So... The Jets just can't get it right. Those two touch that could have been two touchdowns. They could have ultimately lost instead of, you know, if they get the two extra points, they could have lost 24-17. Who knows? But, of course, they can't do that. They're, I mean, it was just really depressing if you're a Jets fan. Even the Lions were able to cut it down at the end and make it look like a normal final score that it looked like it was a closed game. But it was really just two late touchdowns that made it look that way. Um, but still wild ending. The Colts and the Texans was also a wild ending. The Colts... Ultimately, they stink. The Texans also stink. And that division as a whole, (laughs) this is one of my favorite stats. No one in that division, in the four games, the four teams that played, no one in that division has won a game. The Texans and Colts obviously tied. And the two other teams in that division, the Tennessee Titans, who we'll get to in a second, and obviously the team we just talked about, the Jacksonville Jaguars, both lost. So let's get to the Titans and how they lost because I had a bet in this game. And I had bet the Giants plus five and a half, and the under on points total. And betting unders—I said this when I did it, but it's awful. It's terrible. It sucks. It's boring. You're you're basically rooting to not enjoy yourself. It's anti-American. It's anti-human. But I did it anyway. And I bet the under, and I it's so basically what happens is that it's going back and forth. The Giants finally actually tie the game, um, or they come back down late and they kick. They tie the game, yes. They, they go for... They, they make it a 19... They Or it's 20 to 19. And they go for two to take a one-point lead. Um, and they ultimately do take a one-point lead. Saquon Barkley was awesome in this game. Um, which, if you're the Giants, you suck. Because, like, I kind of knew this was going to happen. The Giants win the game. But do you really feel good about the Giants? Like, let's remember... The Tennessee Titans have one of the worst defenses in the league. They had a terrible defense last year. They lost their number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. Derrick Henry is hurt. He's not the same guy that he was. Like, This isn't the same Derrick Henry that was dominating the Giants a few years ago. And it seems like Ryan Tannehill has reverted back to the guy he was in Miami before he met Derrick Henry. So all of a sudden, you take away Derrick Henry, or at least the dominant version of him. You take away the formerly great defense. This defense has been awful recently. You take away A.J. Brown, who's the number one target, the number one receiver for Ryan Tannehill. And all of a sudden, Ryan Tannehill is a different guy and you're the Giants. You still had a terrible performance from Daniel Jones, who just wasn't great. Didn't look like he's a guy who you want to build your offense around. And yeah, you have Saquon Barkley play really well. But ultimately, is the best move for the Giants just to trade Saquon Barkley? Like, if he has a great year this year, you should probably trade him because what are you going to get out of him? Like... By the time you draft and develop a quarterback and you build a team that can actually be competitive, like I don't think this one win makes you a competitive team. By the time you draft and develop a team that can really be competitive, Saquon's going to be done. And so your best option right now is to offload Saquon onto someone else. He's in a contract year, train him someone else somewhere else. Get a ton back for him because I'm sure there's a playoff team or a fringe playoff team that will take him and he will be great for them because he looked great. He looked like he's fully back. Like everyone said that, Oh, this guy's going to be back second year after knee injury. This is the first year back is tough, but the second year back, that's when they really come back. It happened either way back to my bet. This is why gambling is like way better than fantasy football because I bet on this game and I bet the under and the under over under was 43 and a half. And at this point, the Giants are up 21-20, and the Giants are committing penalty after penalty, and the Giants are awful um, down the stretch of this game. Although, better than the Jets, I'll give them that. They have some self-respect. They they stayed in the game, but they're committing penalty after penalty down the stretch. They're letting them, finally, they let them into field goal territory. I'm like, you're kidding me. The Giants, all they had to do was make a stop with like 30 seconds left. And the Ryan Tannehill drive into field goal territory. They're lining up for a 46-yarder. Should be a pretty easy kick. And Tennessee, like, this is how gambling is awesome. If he makes the kick, then I lose the bet because the over hits. Not even because of the Giants. The Giants was plus five and a half. I didn't need the Giants to win, but the over would have hit. And if he misses the kick, I win the bet. That Ajda in that moment is why gambling on sports is awesome and he misses the kick. He kicks it wide left, and what happens is the Giants win, the Giants cover, the Giants also the undercovers, all that good stuff, and I win my bet. I love football. That was one of the best moments, and one moment explained that is betting on the NFL. It's awesome. A few more games to get to. Green Bay, another game where the experts are probably creaming themselves because everyone was taking Minnesota in that game. I told you it was a stay away for me, but it was classic Aaron Rodgers yelling at his offensive line, yelling at his wide receivers. It was not a pretty look for the Packers. Justin Jefferson scoring touchdowns and putting up yards. I think he had 160 yards and two touchdowns in the first half alone. Uh, so that was huge for them. Good for the good for them. A lot of people love the Minnesota Vikings this year. A lot of people love Kirk Cousins this year. Everyone loves Justin Jefferson this year. Uh, and I think the Packers will be fine. I think they'll come back from this. But not a great look in week one. We've seen this before with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him lose early in the season. Not a great look. Las Vegas did surprise me. Um because they lost this game more than the Chargers won it neither team played really well so everyone's talking about how great these two teams are going to be this year or really just talking about how great the Chargers are going to be I didn't think the Chargers were that great I really thought the Vegas Raiders just lost that game and Keenan Allen injury is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh the Patriots sucked Mac Jones wasn't very good Tyreek had a great line Um, I didn't think the Dolphins were overly great I just thought the Patriots were more bad another one of those games that doesn't mean the Dolphins can't be good Uh, but Tyreek Hill had the best line about uh, his head coach he says he needs he said uh, Mike McDaniels who's my favorite head coach in the NFL is going to need a wheelbarrow to roll around his nuts Um, it's obviously referring to the famous Randy Marsh South Park meme of him uh, with his nutsack in a wheelbarrow um, I guess just look at my Twitter timeline if you look at my media I should tweet that once every bout about every few weeks or so so just look on my Twitter timeline and I'm sure it won't take you too long to find it or just look up uh, Randy Marsh or South Park balls uh, good luck with that enjoy and finally the biggest surprise to me of the week was the Chicago Bears at home the way they just totally killed trey lance and the 49ers and i told you that i wasn't sure what was going to happen i didn't think trey lance was going to be that good but maybe he's actually really bad i think that's a a real possibility um and so that's a tough look for trey lance that's a tough look for the 49ers and at least for now for justin fields and the bears one of the teams that i told you i thought was maybe one of the worst rosters in the nfl they win they happy they're celebrate that field looked awful it was a mudslide You saw uh, Justin Fields doing the slip and slide at the end of the game. And it also made me sad. It's like, wow, there's teams out there with good, young, healthy quarterbacks who are just having fun. And I had to sit here watching Joe Flacco. And I think, honestly, if the Jets had Zach Wilson in this game, it just would have been more fun no matter what. Because the Jets, they showed you promise. And I know it it sucks. It all comes back to the Jets as a Jet fan. But like I said, I can't wait to see Zach back. Because I, I hope they're not out of it. I hope they could, you know at least win a couple of these games before he comes back so that he has an opportunity to come back with a real chance to make a difference because this team is different. This team does have a lot of talent on it. I did see a lot more that I liked, but I I don't know if I trust this coach. Um, Another couple of things, um, one stat that I saw from Thursday night that I didn't see on Thursday night is that with the Rams loss and there's a big deal for the Rams and I told you it's not a big deal like going forward I think they could still come back from this this is their season's not over don't overreact. this is the first time in Sean McVay's coaching career that he's under 500 so he's never lost a season opener before he's never been under 500 as a head coach that's cool I saw the videos of OJ Simpson there that was weird he's wearing like the Bills gear he's sitting in a suite he's just living the life murdered someone just sitting in a suite you know wearing Bills George, Bills Custom Jordan's and hanging out with people that to me is strange there's another thing I wanted to get to um, this year because or this week because when I talk about these teams who are going to have ups they're going to have downs throughout the NFL season um, there's going to be 14 playoff teams and the 14 playoff teams generally have newcomers from last year And at the end of the day, no matter what happens in week one, no matter who blew out who, no matter how many crazy games there were, whether the Cincinnati Bengals barely beat the Steelers or blah, 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 or didn't beat the Steelers, they lost to the Steelers, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, there's going to be a crazy long season and stuff is going to happen. Stuff is going to find a way to work itself out. But if you look at the playoff teams, the seven playoff teams in the AFC from last year, the number one seed was the Tennessee Titans. The number two seed was the Chiefs. The Bills obviously won the division. Bengals won their division. And the wildcard teams with Raiders, the Patriots, and the Steelers. Now, if you compare that to based on my over-under picks, who my seven playoff teams will be in the AFC, I have Las Vegas again, but I have Kansas City winning that division. I took Indianapolis to win that division, but I don't feel great about it. It's really just who else is there in that division. I took Buffalo to win the East, and I took one of Cincinnati or Baltimore to win the North, and then Baltimore or Cincinnati, the other one, will make the playoffs as the wild card. And I do think the Chargers ultimately will be good enough to get over the hump and make the wild card. So if you look at that, Indianapolis is a new playoff team from last year. Baltimore is a new playoff team from last year. And the Chargers are a new playoff team from last year. Obviously, the Chargers were really good last year, expected to take a step. Indianapolis basically had to throw their game last year with Carson Wentz at the end of the year not to make the playoffs. And Baltimore was really hurt, but they were a really good roster. So they're not really new uh, a new playoff team this year. In the NFC, the Packers were the number one seed last year. Tampa was the two seed. Dallas was the three seed. And the Rams were the four seed with the Cardinals, the Niners, and the Eagles being the playoff teams. Now, I don't think the Cardinals are very good. They started off really well last year. I think Cliff Kinningsbury is a candidate for one of the first head coaches to be fired this year. I think that's very likely. I still think Green Bay will win their division and be one of the best teams in the NFC. I still think Tampa Bay will win their division and be one of the best teams in the NFC. I think Philly will make the playoffs, but I think they'll win the division. Based on tonight, Dallas looks really bad. I thought they'd be, like, mediocrely bad. They look really bad. And I still think the LA Rams will find a way to win the West. That leaves the teams to be the wildcard teams. I think New Orleans will make it in. I liked what they did today, at least in the second half of the game. I think they'll figure it out with Jameis. I still like San Francisco despite today. I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I think it's very likely that the starting quarterback ultimately ends up being Jimmy Garoppolo because when Jimmy Garoppolo plays quarterback... For the San Francisco 49ers, they win games. That's just a fact. And I think the Minnesota Vikings will also make the playoffs as a wildcard team. I like what they did today as well. All that said, there's going to be a team in the NFL this year, at least one, maybe two, that absolutely shock you, that come out of nowhere. So with these 14 teams that I gave you, while there still are five newcomers that weren't in the playoffs last year, there are Minnesota, who are a lot of people are expecting to be good. New Orleans, who have the infrastructure to be good and the roster to be good, and now Jameis is healthy. Indianapolis, who basically almost made the playoffs last year. Baltimore, who the only reason they didn't make the playoffs last year was because they were hurt. And the Chargers, who everyone expects to be great. So really, I just gave you 14 teams that are essentially chalk. And if there's anything we know about the NFL playoffs, is it's not going to be chalk. There are going to be teams in there that surprise you. I don't think we saw who those teams were in week one. I don't think they revealed themselves yet. But over the course of the season, there are going to be teams that reveal themselves to be those shocking surprise teams in the NFL. And I can't wait to find out who they are. I'm looking forward to that. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. You are getting a good one with Seattle hosting Russell Wilson for the first time as the Denver Broncos. I think they go to Seattle to play in Seattle And Russell Wilson returns home. That should be fun. I do have Seattle in that game, but my picks have been awful, so don't listen to me. (laughs) Um, I think I I took them with the points. I didn't take them on the money line. I hope not. Um, Otherwise, I'll be coming back Wednesday morning or late Tuesday night with a podcast uh, recapping as the storylines. We'll find out about some of the injuries, like I mentioned, with Keenan Allen, with. tj watt all that other stuff we'll hear more things that come out throughout the week maybe Dak prescott also who got hurt in this game uh we'll hear about that so there's a lot to talk about more stuff is going to come out just like i said the mcveigh stats i'll delve deeper into the stats i'll also preview the thursday night game i'll recap the monday night game so lots of stuff coming on wednesday so look out for that episode until then like subscribe follow do all that good stuff if you like the podcast share it i really appreciate it and see
1: you were the best nights of my life Got the light that always shines I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your heights, Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway causing road graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones I know Down riverside. See the birds flying on the high line with the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I, I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold-out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive. Hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city hey. I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones. Yeah, you're all I- you in prospect Take them long walks All my time finish just a kid With that empire Stay the mindset Kick flipping off A blind deck Dipping from the New York City's finest Yeah Said I've been up On my New York shit Walking down the block With my New York Bitch I can never leave my city Ain't nothing like it Even if I do though I can never hide it Top down on the west side When I'm driving East side I'll Be the only side That I'm